Mr. Bruce Jones has a special night. Y'all pray for me as I sing, open my eyes that I may see. Open my eyes that I may see glimpses of truth Thou hast for me. Place in my hands a wonderful key that shall uncollapse and set me free. Silently now I wait for Thee, ready, my God, Thy will to see. Open my eyes, illumine me, Spirit divine. Open my ears that I may hear voices of truth thou sendest clear. And while the wave notes fall my ear, everything false will disappear. Silently now I wait for thee. Ready, my God, thy will to see. Open my ears, illumine me, Spirit divine. Open my mouth and let me bear gladly the warm truth Thy children thus to share. Silently now I wait for Thee. Ready, my God, Thy will to see. Open my heart, illumine me. your Bibles to 2 Timothy 1, 2 Timothy 1, tonight for a little while I did some 2 Timothy work in um, my instructional class, we've got that going on, uh, that'll be the, the last time uh, in that class, and so and they'll have to get them another teacher, because this next Sunday I'll be gone, and I'll be preaching a revival, pray for the revival at uh, Caney Missionary Baptist Church in Bismarck, Arkansas. That's where I'll be. Um, Brother Ralph Ruffin is the pastor there. Nice, uh, him and his wife, Jamie. And uh, they're 
younger than me and Karen, which used to, it, there was no preachers younger than me and Karen. And uh, but then we realized we're not young anymore. And they're all younger than me and Karen now. So uh, getting there, getting on up there. Second Timothy uh, chapter 1, and we will get started. I just want to title tonight's message, A Call uh, to Courage. There's a story... Uh, remember back in uh, whenever the the war was going on between uh, Croatia and Bosnia, and there seems like there was another Slavic nation inside of that war, and some of our Air Force pilots were doing some missions where they were flying over some enemy lines. There was an Air Force pilot by the name of Captain O'Grady who was shot down behind enemy lines, and he was running for his life. I, think, I may be wrong on this, but there was a movie made about his uh, running and escaping, which there's been a lot of movies made about uh, our our guys, our army people and Air Force people shot down behind, and I love those kind of movies where they're fighting for their life and they're trying to get away from the enemy, and used to, it was during World War II and it was behind German lines and behind Soviet lines and whatnot, but this was in my lifetime. And so it was something I was very interested in. And one of the things that happened, he had to break radio silence. Immediately when he was ejecting, he put in, he sent a signal up. And matter of fact, when you eject out of one of our airplanes, a GPS signal, even before GPSs were popular, popped out. And that, that seat where he landed, <coughs> and of course, you know, America just can't go into anywhere and land. But this is, and as he fled for his life, they knew where he was, and he knew that. He made one final check, he said, eject, eject, uh, Air Force whatever, da-da-da, Captain O'Grady, and he's going out, and he pulls the uh, deal, and his chute pops out, he lands, he immediately takes off everything, he runs, and he's all he's got is a pistol and one little survival kit that's about this big. He survived for weeks behind enemy lines and he could not break radio silence because with the technology the Croatians or the Bosnian Serbs had, I don't remember which one was looking for him, uh, they had the technology to pinpoint his location if he broke radio silence. So basically he was without communication with the United States government. But he said after he got out of there, and he did, so it's a good story. He got out of there. He said this thought when he was at night and it was dark and he couldn't light a campfire, he couldn't create any warmth, this thought ran through his mind. He knew this. Everything that could be done was being done to rescue him. Everything that could be done was being done to rescue him. I want to assure you tonight that everything that God can do is being done, not only to rescue you, but to give you the way to serve Him. To give you a way to do what He's called you to do. Now obviously with the news, and I'm not going to pretend that it didn't happen, uh, that you know about my resignation this morning. And one of the things that I assured you of, and won't, and I want to stress, is that, number one, serving the Lord is not about any particular preacher. And it's bigger than that. 
It's about Jesus. That He's the mission. He's the end all. He's the goal. He is the motivation. He's the reason for it all. And when I'm, and I asked the uh, class here and from, going at it from a different angle that, that I just got through teaching, I asked them this, what is the reason that if a pastor leaves a church and the church just the wheels fall off and some, it just goes, you know, it just crashes, why would that happen? Well, they said, well, maybe the, uh, their, their eyes were on the preacher. They were looking at the man. Well, you, yes, that's true. Maybe he didn't train them. Maybe they weren't grounded. And it could be true. But the other thing is, is that the preacher, what if the preacher doesn't train anybody? What if the preacher, then there's some skilled preachers out there, but what if the preacher says, I got this. Let me do everything. And the preacher does everything. But never trains anybody to pick up the baton and carry the baton on. Carry the Olympic torch on. You see what I mean? So the best thing that I've hopefully have accomplished in the last ten and a half years is equipped you so that you just take the baton and you go on in the race. You just keep going. And that it doesn't quit because it's not about one guy. It's a the it's about Jesus. It's about grabbing the torch and say, Well, Brother Michael set the bucket down right there. Somebody pick up the bucket and let's keep going. Somebody pick up the bucket and let's continue on because the mission, the work, and you know, these guys, uh preachers have have uh like Stephen and uh the apostles and all those guys, even Jesus himself died, but the work went on, didn't it? The work went on because that's what they trained them to do. Second uh, Timothy chapter one. Look at verse eight. A call to courage is the title. I don't know if I said that, but a call to courage is the title. Um, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Uh, you know, nobody enjoys suffering. Nobody in, enjoys going through any sorts. But the, he's saying here, you may have to go through some difficult times. Uh, somebody said this once, well, whatever doesn't kill you only makes you stronger. <laughs> well, that, that may be true, but nobody enjoys pain. Somebody said one time, pain hurts. Yeah, that's true. Pain does hurt. But sometimes we're going to have uh, those things. I've, of course, with all this praying and everything, and I've tried to keep my running and my training going, and, I, and I've done it a little bit. But as I was uh, training for my marathon last year, and I still am, I'm training for another one, and I've still got my eye on the prize, and December the 5th to go do it again uh, there in Memphis. Well, when we got there at the expo and my family was with me, it was only, of course, uh, Karen made it, Allie made it, and Robin was with us. There's a big-time training runner, and he got his videos on. And he was trying to, because I've never, the longest run I ever did in training around here, and I, it was the longest run, it was right here. I ran down to the end of the pavement, and ran back, and ran to the Harville house, and then ran back and did some... The longest run I ever got here in all my training was about 17 miles. 
Well, guess what? That's about nine miles too short. And uh, so I'm thinking, well, can I do this? Well, one of the things that he said in the video, not in the video, but while we're there at the expo, this is Saturday, excuse me, Friday night. I'm in Memphis. I'm picking up a little, few little odds and ends. Oh, this is neat. And uh, everybody's trying to sell shoes. The biggest, most popular shoe there was one I had on that I, because I had the foot injury. I bought one of these brand new shoes that's not been out on the market very long called a Hoka 1-1. And uh, just a neat shoe. But anyway, he said, if you want to complete this race, this is what you got to do. You've got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. I never thought about that before. You've got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Because you're not going to be comfortable after about 17 miles. And uh, and then I'd heard of hitting the wall, and I hit the wall at mile 22, which is, means I depleted everything, all the glycogen, every amount of sugar I had, and I started trying to put some more in. And fortunately, I was able to find it and finish the race, but I was very uncomfortable. Well, folks, serving the Lord is that a way. Sometimes you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. God says right there, Be thou, right there in your Bible and my Bible, partaker of the what? Afflictions of the gospel. Meaning that if you choose to stand, if you choose to really be a soldier of Jesus Christ, if you really, like this morning we had teachers lined up from that light switch to that light switch, didn't we? We had teachers and school workers and they have a choice. No matter whether you work at our school or not, you have a choice whether to be a light. But if you really choose to speak, if you really choose to stand, you might get uncomfortable. You might be by yourself. And you might have to stand alone. And so that's part of the afflictions. You might be uncomfortable standing for Jesus. Even Jesus Himself prayed. He was sweating great drops of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's thinking about you while He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's, I mean, Satan's after Him. Everybody wants Him to quit. And what did Jesus say? Father, not my will, but Your will be done before He went to the cross. Um, There's also another story I read about, and this is again about these afflictions that we may have. I was reading this neat story based upon... We've got them in our church library. We've got these books these based upon all the suffering of the Middle Ages. Christians that have been through it before. Tortured and maimed. Even flayed alive. Uh, you know, flayed means skin like a catfish. You know, I've, I've got the things to... You can flay a catfish or you can skin a catfish. You slit right around the head... And rip, and we rip the skin off the catfish, and boom, me and my dad, well, we just knocking out and gutting them and all that, and just running through the catfish that we'd take out of his pond. Imagine doing that with a man, with a person, just ripping skin, just taking the skin off. And what kind of death that would be. They did that to our forefathers who stood for the truth. There was this fellow that was captured, and he said, Deny your faith, deny Jesus Christ, we won't kill you. If you'll just deny Jesus Christ, and guess what we're going to do tomorrow? 
If you don't do it, we're going to burn you at the stake. This is in the days before electricity, obviously, because this is near the Middle Ages. And according to the history of this, what he told his cellmate that was later on recorded, I don't remember if it was in, there's two history books about it, Fox's Book of Martyrs and Churches in the Valley of Piedmont. I don't remember which one this story is in, but it went like this. The man had a candle in his cell, and they had lit it, and he put his finger in the candle, and it started burning. He said, I want to see how long I can take it because I know tomorrow they're burning me at the stake. And he said, he pulled his hand back screaming because of the pain. And he said, I'll deny you tomorrow. Lord, I, I cannot do this. I cannot do this. And he was sure that he would deny, after burning, he would deny Jesus and renounce his faith. And according to that book that's in our library, when they began burning his body, he screamed his faith in Jesus Christ and never renounced Jesus as the fire took his life. You know why? Because God gave him the strength he needed when he needed it. And that's what he does for you and me. When you need the strength, when you think you cannot keep going, when you think you'll I'll fold like a, I'll just crumble like a deck of cards or a house of cards, excuse me, and I'll just I'll just collapse. I cannot do this. That's when God gives you the strength. You know, matter of fact, what did Paul say in Second Timothy chapter twelve? He said, I remember him praying about removing the thorn. He said, This thorn in the flesh, man, I've got this three times. I've been praying three times. Lord, remove this thorn in the flesh. This thorn is, is, I just don't feel like this is helping me serve you. It's hindering me from serving you. And guess what Paul did, or excuse me, Jesus did to him. He told him, he said, no, 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 no. I'm not going to take it from you because my grace is perfect. My grace is complete. My grace, when you're... And then he told... Uh, Jesus, he said, when, when I'm weak, you're strong. And that's the way it works in our life. And so I hope and pray that you can see that. And so, uh, we, we see that. Then we look at verse 9. That was only verse 8. Who has, verse 9, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose, and grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before the world began. This, this whole point, He saved us and called us with a holy calling. And what this tells me, no matter what I'm facing in life, no matter what I'm going through, it's all His grace, His purpose. It's all about Him. That's what your church service should be about. That's what your life should be about. Um. Had a, of course, when I made my announcement this morning and uh, asking the church for about the resignation, um, I said, well, there's going to be a lot of questions. And Miss, uh, I don't know if Miss Dawn is here, but she posted something. There she is. She said, you know, just her heart was breaking. I said, well, I, I probably need to post something because everybody goes, what's up? <laughs> so I went ahead and just made it simple and sweet. And uh, 
as, as best I could. Well, so the word get out. Questions be answered. Why? And that, you know, and one thing about that many people ask is, well, why did Brother Michael resign? Well, the only reason in the world that I would. And because the Lord's leading me to somewhere else. And there's no other reason. And uh, I've never left a church yet over any other reason than the Lord leading me to. So if you ever hear a rumor or somebody ask you, you can just help dispel the rumor. Brother Michael just felt led to to go to another church. And uh, that, that was what God led him to do. And it wasn't about any other reason. Well, we started. I started getting some text and different messages, and this was pretty neat this afternoon. Some very encouraging messages from people in the community that's not associated with our church. And I'm very thankful for that. But I know that any work that I've done, any work that I've done in the community for the Lord... And obviously, everywhere I went, I represented promised land. That it's not about me. It's and and that's the that's the kind of messages that I was receiving. Thank you for your example. Thank you for your labor. Thank you for giving. And that's what it needs to be about. Not about me per se but about Jesus. It's about Him. And that's what verse 9 is up here. It's Notice what does it say? His own purpose. That's what it says right there. His own purpose. So everything that you do, everything that y'all do, should be about His own purpose. Alright? Uh, one more verse. We're almost done. Some of y'all are tired. Come on. Wait. Stay with me. Y'all are doing good. Alright. Okay, let's take a look at verse 10. We're going to finish up here. Okay, so Saul 8, Saul 9, now let's look at 10. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life, immortality, to light through the gospel. Christ has defeated death. Uh, back up. Real quick, speaking of him defeating death, just back up to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. So Jesus did all the work. So all that we have to do is share the news. 1 Corinthians 15, two verses. Um, verse 55, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Uh, Verse 58. Uh, Well, let me throw in verse 57. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the summary of what you and I need to be doing now. Okay, Brother Michael, a call to courage. That's the title of tonight's message, a call to courage. But what does promised land need to be doing now? Verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren... Be you steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not 
in vain. That's pretty awesome stuff. We're going to go ahead and prepare for a hymn of invitation. Maybe there's somebody tonight and uh, you want to just come pray at the altar or whatever God may be laying upon your heart. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's all bow. Father, I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for that we do have a call to courage, that you can strengthen us and we may not think we can do it, but you're there with us. We may think we may fail, but you help us through. Even if we do fail, you can still get the honor and the glory. Even if we do mess up, you can help us through it. And Father, I just praise you for everything you've done for our church. I thank you for Claire being baptized in just a little while. And Father, bless her and her life, bless her family. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.